0: We're gonna get back to the gospel, but I want to go to the second reading because there's a stunning kind of command request that Saint Paul has of followers of the Lord. He says, "Have no anxiety at all." All right, how are y'all doing on that? No? Can you turn off your anxiety? Right? It's kind of hard to do that. We know that anxiety is something that oftentimes we're not choosing, and yet he's telling you, turn it off. Stop being anxious. Have no anxiety at all. You might be thinking, yeah, St. Paul, what planet are you on right now, right? We know uh, when we look around the world right now, everything going on, a pandemic, and even uh, affecting the highest levels of government and sports and people of every part of the world right now. We're aware of political tension. Did you watch the debates last week? So, in all of these things, it can be kind of overwhelming. We might feel powerless in the face of these things that surround us, that are in this climate that we are in. Add all of your stuff to that trying to make good grades, trying to catch up on your classes that you haven't been watching on time, uh, your relationships, issues with your family, worries about your career or your vocation. You put all of that together and it can seem uncertain. It can seem powerless and that creates within you a prevalent feeling of anxiety. The Word of God is living and effective like a two edged sword that is meant to go into our hearts and be effective, not unaffected. And so let us open up the Scriptures to bring healing to our hearts that St. Paul desires for us who are faithful disciples of Jesus to be affected by the Holy Spirit, to transform our hearts, to still the storms and bring peace to our hearts where we are powerless. So we're gonna look at the gospel first because the gospel tells us what not to do. And then we're gonna to return to St. Paul. He gives three little areas of advice of how to turn your anxiety off or how to allow yourself to be in the peace of Christ. He will suggest that we be grateful that we guard what we think about, and that we imitate his virtue. All right, let's go all over those things. First, we're gonna start with the gospel because it tells us what not to do. In the gospel, Jesus is telling another parable about a vineyard. You may recall last week, Jesus is trying to get people to go to the vineyard, and he's giving them a payment that is just. This is eternal life. And we do nothing to merit that. It is pure gift. And now Jesus tells a similar but different parable involving a vineyard. The vineyard is God's holy people. It's Israel. The landowner is the father. All of the tenants are the leaders. That's why Jesus says at the beginning, he's speaking to the chief priests and the leaders of the people. These are the tenants. They have control over Israel. The servants that are coming to collect the produce are the prophets that one after another the leaders would not listen to. They would reject. And even in the case of some, such as John the Baptist, they would kill. The son who comes, finally, they will respect my son. This is Jesus, whom they also will seize Jesus is prophesying his own death and he will be put to death. And the vineyard will be given to others who will produce its fruit. Well, remember last week, Jesus said prostitutes and tax collectors are entering the kingdom ahead of you. Sinners, Gentiles, those who would have been expected not to be in the vineyard will flourish and receive the fruitfulness of the vineyard. Well, we might be tempted to think, well, that was 2,000 years ago. Good thing we're not like that now, right? And you might think for yourself, well, I would never be so stupid to uh, not recognize the sun when he comes to the vineyard. And yet there are little tendencies within us that do the same thing we might also be tempted to claim what is God-given as our own. We might also forget our covenant relationship with the Father. We might expect reverse worship. That means that we want God to serve us in our lives instead of the other way around. God, why aren't you answering this? making this happen in my life. And we might resist correction when it comes. Yes, all of these tendencies that Jesus is warning about, they're present also in us. And this is why Jesus says, Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. So what does this teach us about our powerlessness? It means that we have to let go. We have to lay it down. We have to not grasp for control, to control, to fix, or allow our pride to assume that we are the center. But rather with humility, give everything to the dominion of Jesus Christ in our life. Well, how do we do that? This is where St. Paul is helpful. And St. Paul will give what probably is very good psychological advice. This is your uh, therapy for the morning that he's going to give to us. But he does so in a way that opens us also to the Holy Spirit. And he invites us to do three things today in his letter to to the Philippians. He first notes, take your needs and your concerns to the Lord but do so with thanksgiving. Secondly, he will say, think about these types of things. Guard your mind, lest you delve into the muck of negative things. And then lastly, he'll say, do what you've learned and you've seen in me. Imitate virtue that you recognize. Well, let's briefly go into each of those three things that St. Paul encourages us to do for healthy minds, hearts, and souls. First, Jesus, or rather St. Paul, isn't telling us not to take our needs to the Lord. You might be tempted to say, well, God already knows what I need. Why do I have to mention it? But rather, Paul says he wants you to bring your needs to him. You might be a parent and you see that your son or your daughter's shoelace is untied. And you could say, come here, come here, come here. I gotta fix that, right? But you would really love it if your little boy or little girl comes to you and say, mommy, daddy, will you tie my shoelace? There's something in there that's the relationship. Now, that's a real small example, but think about this on the level of our own lives when God wants us to be able to come to Him, and within that relationship experience love, but to do so with gratitude in our hearts. Let me read that line for you again. Have no anxiety at all, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. That is that simultaneously, while you're asking for things, Do not neglect thanking the Lord for things in your life. I want to share with you a very practical thing that I do to help me to remember to do this every morning. I call it my gratitude list. I got one of these little apps. used to be called Wonder List, but now I use one that's called To Do. And it makes a list for me. And I keep 10 things on there, that I'm thankful for. So probably I'm gonna put on there, I'm just thankful for this mass today, I'm gonna put that in there. Thankful for being able to visit my parents last week. Thankful for the the weather outside. And as the week goes on, I'll rotate the last thing out, a new one comes in and replaces it. And every morning as I get up, instead of kind of going to the negative things, I'm going to the things I'm thankful for, and I actually take the time to pause and to thank the Lord. Now, that's just a little nerdy way that I do it, but I invite you to think about how you might cultivate thanksgiving in your heart. When we live in thanksgiving, it reorders our approach to the Lord with the very needs that we have, with the wants that we have. And it teaches us to trust God's providence more than the the determination of our own wants and needs. Okay, what's the second thing that St. Paul suggests? He says, guard your mind in what you're thinking about. And he will list eight categories of the types of things you can think about.
1: Maybe a good idea would be to write down these eight
0: things And then, every week, list something next to it. He says, think about whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, gracious, excellent, and worthy of praise. Now, how insightful this is to be able to focus our attention on these things because quite often we tend to gravitate and focus our attention on negative things. If you watch the news, you'll notice that there's more negative things talked about usually than the positive things. And that can affect how it is that we feel and our prevalent way of thinking. St. Paul is suggesting to us that we always have ready at hand positive things of God to lighten our way, to give us courage, to increase our faith, to be a bulwark of hope for us in the midst of other darkness, despair, and discouragement that might be in the world. If you think of negative things, you will experience powerlessness and anxiety. If you think of God-given things and the light of Christ, then the Holy Spirit will guide your heart in your mind in Christ Jesus our Lord. Think of these things. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, just, pure, lovely, gracious, excellent, worthy of praise, and it will change your life. What's the last thing? St. Paul says, keep doing, that is, endure, persevere. You know, the, uh, the effect of despair or a discouragement is that you lose heart. That's what discourage means. Core is heart. Dest to take the heart out. When you have your heart taken out from you, you lose your momentum. He says, keep on doing. Persevere what you have learned, received, heard, and seen in me. That is that St. Paul is asking his disciples that are learning from him to keep on following his example. Now, this may be very important for us to know what is the context that this letter is written. You see, St. Paul isn't in a happy situation where everything is going well. He's actually in prison when he writes this letter. He's writing the words, have no anxiety at all, when he is in jail. He is saying, think of what is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, gracious, excellent, worthy of praise, while he is imprisoned. He is not in control, but rather he has a power that comes from the Lord. Keep on doing what you have seen and heard and learned and received in me. This is the cultivation of virtue in our hearts. Through the continual habituation of holy, righteous conduct, we align our hearts to that which will maintain what is true, honorable, just, pure, and the like. Keep on doing. Persevere, even when things are difficult and they seem to tempt you to discouragement and anxiety. This is the invitation that is valid and needed right now in our times, in the midst of whatever experiences of powerless or the temptation of anxiety that we might feel. St. Paul and Jesus, is inviting you to make the Lord the center of your vineyard to receive him with love and to experience a new fruitfulness that transcends what your own control or power would able to be able to accomplish on its own he desires to guard your heart and your mind with the grace and power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to Aggie Catholic Homilies. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Be sure to check out our sister podcast, Aggie Catholic Talks, to hear talks from Magnify, Catholicism 101, and more. Thanks, God bless, and gig'em.